Hello and welcome to another episode of Never on the Same Page podcast. Welcome to season two. I'm Kim. I'm Jordan. And today's episode is called I Still Can't Breathe. And this will be a two-parter. So if you're in the mood, if you have the time, stick around for a second part. Um, Yeah, we definitely got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So first, I just want us to like catch up and talk about what we've been doing since we haven't been recording for the last couple of months. So what have you been up well, to, Jordan? Um, I was out, well, I was off work for two and a half months. Um, I went back during the election because we had to help for that. And then like right when that was over, uh, we went back to the city county building and, um, I think that's been about a month now. Um, it's been very, uh, it's been a weird transition because I'm, I'm doing more now because, like, the building is different. You know, all the people, all the different offices aren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's busy, of course, because people have been waiting uh, literally for two and a half months to get divorced. Mm-hmm. That seems like that's all I've been dealing with is people getting divorced or getting married. Um, so it's, it's been a it's been a transition. It's it's been it's been different. Uh, you know, we have to communicate with um, the customers through plexiglass with our mask on. Um, that's that's frustrating. But this is our new normal now. So mm-hmm. I've been working and coming home and going to sleep, not wanting to be bothered because that has been such a it's been overwhelming. So mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I know you're still at home, right? Yes, I still work from home, but since our last recording, I've started a new job. So I started a new job working from home. I've never worked in the office one day of my new job. The only time I've ever met my coworkers was at my interview. Um, and I've now been working that job for um, almost three months now, um, completely um, working from home. Uh, I graduated, uh, and got my master's since our last podcast. I've had deaths in the family since our last podcast. I have, it's been, you know, like highs and lows where it's been hard to, to want to say like, oh, I'm going to take this time to record and not, and, you know, and block out what's happening in real life. Or even like, um, even assess or, you know, like absorb what's been happening in real life. So it, um, it's been strange and difficult. And I will definitely say like with working from home and having that security to be in, like I have taken advantage of that because I don't want to be sick. I don't want to make my um my mom or and other people that I care about sick so I have been in a lot and um I feel like I've been not only just taking advantage of that time but doing different things with my time that have made me a little bit more reflective I write more I read more um I've tried to learn some new skills (laughs) but that are not skills just yet but I'm still learning um, and trying to assess what I want my future to look like. Um, 
So it's like I said, for me, it's it's also it's been a lot. And it's been hard to wrap my mind around doing things where the podcast, I know we try to talk on serious issues, but I also feel like it it comes from a place of entertainment. And I felt like I didn't want to entertain when I was having a lot of heavy things on my mind. So that's just personal. Yeah, that's, like that's where we, where we're, that's where we're different. Cause that's why I use a lot of entertainment to that, how I feel. escape into into shows or movies but I felt like I did I feel like our podcast or things where I'm expending my energy I didn't feel like I had the capacity to do that at certain times of our quarantine and certain times of life right now um I like I remember talking to you um you know just moving into real life I remember talking to you like a day or so after George Floyd was killed and how I had just like randomly worn my Black Lives Matter t-shirt. And then when he was was killed and people were, you know, the very first buddings of the resurgence of Black Lives Matter into the community, I remember I was telling you like, I thought, oh, I need to hurry up and wash my shirt to wear it and, you know, make a status and say, you know, of my alliance with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And and I told you, like, it made me feel like I would never, I would have to wash my shirt every night because it's constantly happening. Like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like, there's not enough, <laughs> there's not enough detergent to wash how many times I would need to wear my shirt over and over again. It's like, you never know when you're going to get that next headline. You're going to see that next hashtag. And it's happened so much but i i do appreciate the resurgence and the new attention that has been placed on black lives matter and the only beauty that has come out of a horrific murder that we all witnessed and saw in the in the when speaking directly of george floyd is the fact that people who never stood up for black lives matter before people who never said the words black lives matter who felt that it was too taboo and too uncomfortable a subject to bring up are now having those uncomfortable conversations who are now making their voices heard and and really phenomenal and you know exciting as in the sense of exciting to see change and not just see it locally not just see it nationally but see it all over the world like black lives matter has now become the biggest movement like worldwide movement where there's been you know protests in every you know, far reaches of the world have had Black Lives Matter literally protesting police brutality in the United States, all over the world for us. And, you know, like stuff like that, you know how I am. It always hits really home, really hard home for me. And I get really sensitive about those issues. And I, I will be honest, I don't watch a lot of the footage. I don't 
when when another person dies and their their murder was caught on camera, I don't watch the footage. I don't want to see someone um, yeah, die on camera. And another thing I don't watch is um, the quote unquote Karens that get put on blast. I don't watch their videos a lot of times. Those are really, really triggering for me. And what I don't like about it is they become a meme and a, and a caricature and it takes away the violence and the evil and the venom that these white people perpetrate when they falsely and erroneously call the police on black people, whether we be at a pool or at a park or barbecuing or watering our own lawn, babysitting children. Like, I mean, and I'm, none of these things that I just said are made up. Like these are all phone calls that have, 911 phone calls that have happened because black people were doing those things. And it triggers me really, really bad. And I know like, not long ago, I, I don't even know, even after I watched it, I said, I don't know why I sat and watched this video, but it hit me so hard. Like, I was literally, like, incapacitated the whole rest of the day. Like, I couldn't do anything. I was sad. I was crying. I was, like, upset and tense. I watched a video, and this wasn't even a, a white woman calling the police. It was a white woman, like, making a video saying why she hates Black Lives Matter and like how she hates black people and why, you know, we deserve to die because of the riots that have taken place because of some of the protests that have gotten out of hand and things like that. And it just, it was so horrible to watch. And it's like stuff like that stays with me a really long time. So I do use TV and movies to escape because I'd even thought while we were, while it'd be, we had been gone, I'm like, oh, the next podcast, we need to go through a list of what sh good shows to watch or, or, you know, shows that'll just laugh or take your mind off things because there are, there is so much that is heavy right now. But on the other side of that, with the new, um, the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, you know, in the broader and mainstream community, how people are highlighting films that um deal with issues that black lives matter specifically target you know like you saw amazon you know you couldn't click on your amazon prime without getting a notice that says black lives matter and directing you to films that would um bring up issues hulu did it um netflix hbo they all have like a black lives matter or centering black stories some kind of and those are important but when I, when you look at those films, so many of them are really heavy and weigh really hard on you. So I have to have an escape. I have to get away from that or I don't sleep or I cry or I do whatever. Um, but I, but I do appreciate that. I appreciate. And what I think those, those targets that, you know, Amazon and all these other um, streaming services have done, it's, it doesn't, center our stories for us per se because we know the stories or we seek out the stories us that are in the community but for people outside the community who never take the time to watch a film when they see a predominantly black cast or when they skip over a movie or oh that's too heavy or oh that's race related that's not for me that's what i think of the importance of those streaming services doing it because it's it's telling you that you can't turn a blind eye to this this is an important issue for you as well and if you have to have a person um if you have to have a, a a direct link or a direct um 
you know, liability to why you care about Black Lives Matter, then it defeats the whole purpose of the movie. You don't have to be black to um, say Black Lives Matter. You don't have to have a black son to, to feel that Black Lives Matter. You don't have to have a black daughter to advocate for Black Lives Matter. You don't have to uh, marry outside of your race to co be concerned with Black Lives Matter. This is an American issue. It is a national issue and it is an international issue. This is happening all over the world. That's why I feel like so many people have, have aligned because they relate like black people in London, black people in Paris, black people in the Philippines, black people in Japan, like they get it and they, they can directly relate to the experiences that we're having here. Um, but right. it it is heavy and it is real and I don't want it to stop, you know, just like people are posting, like this doesn't stop when the hashtag stops. This doesn't stop when it's no longer a trendy topic, like sustainable change only happens over time. And, um, I like the, um, you know, when people give the stats about how long, um, with the civil rights, the early civil rights movement in the sixties, like how long the bus boycotts took, how long it took before schools were integrated, integrated. Like this didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen in a two hour span of Selma that everything, um, was racially sound and we all were in harmony. Like, no, it doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of things in the millennial Gen X community were used to, instant gratification. We're used to not waiting in line. We're used to not waiting for things to happen, but getting it instantaneously. And with civil rights, with justice, with fixing the deep-seated racial problems in America, it's not going to happen overnight. Because first of all, we still have to are still having to explain to people and convince people that they ever existed in the first place. Coming up, these videos keep coming up, 
And people would look at that and be like, I don't see what y'all talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Yeah. It's, it's definitely frustrating. And I'm, I, I'm in a place now where I'm, I just kind of like pull back. Like, if anything, this year has, I've, I've realized this year has rendered me speechless. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to feel. Um, I, I'm I'm over it. Like I, I don't, I don't say anything a lot about on social media. I kind of like pulled away from there too. Like I'll talk to you know you of course, or you know my friends sometimes, my other friends mm-hmm. about what's going on. So I'm, I'm aware of things, but I'm just like I don't, I don't know what to say anymore. It's just, yeah. it's like, it's like you're kidding, right? Like we're really having this conversation. We really have to to keep. Um, Like I, you know, um, a lot of times when I, when I hear people say, you know, like you mentioned the whole all lives matter thing. And when I hear people mention that, or when I hear people, um, you know, like, um, Trump, he has said out loud, said where in, in recorded sound, like said on video, that Black Lives Matter is about hatred and that it's about violence and he denounces it. And I loved how um, uh, Mayor de Blasio with the rest of the community in New York painted Black Lives Matter in yellow on the street outside of Trump Tower. Um, Congrats for that. But he, he says those things. And when I hear that, it makes me so angry and it makes me so frustrated and it makes me feel like we're so much further um, from real, so, like, sustainable progress because Trump knows what he's doing. He knows his how his followers, like, 100% follow him. They'll follow him to the gates of hell. Like, they literally, they don't care whether he's, whether he's wrong or he's right. They're going to say he's right. And... So he knows, like, saying that puts even a bigger target, a more red, a a larger target on our backs for saying Black Lives Matter when we're literally just saying our lives matter. Like, that shouldn't be a controversial statement. That should be as, um, as free and as American as apple pie. Like, it... And and when I hear people say the counter, I always see this one picture in my head. And it's so crazy that um, Dr. Joy DeGroy, DeGroy, I don't know how to say her last name, so don't at me. Yeah, it's the woman who wrote um, the um, post-traumatic slave uh, disorder that I always like quote and talk about and I have the book and I think everybody should have the book but she uses and I always thought of this picture and then I saw her lecture and actually um if you look at one of my um Instagram posts I I posted a clip of her lecture where she's talking about this video but I never thought about I never knew she used this same picture that I that I'm about to reference but there's a picture of a lynching and this is like olden black and white it's, it's gotta be like, 
I don't even know, 20s, 40s, maybe 50s. I don't know if it's that, if it's even that late of a 1950s. It might be like 1910s. I don't know. But it's this older picture of a black man being lynched and the big crowd of people standing there watching. But in the very front of the picture, right next to the body with a, with a evil devilish grin on her face is a small white little girl blonde little bob white pretty dress smiling looking up at this lynched black man and i always see that photo when i hear people say um like all lives matter and black lives matter it's just too radical for me and that's why because it our lives in this country and pretty much around the world um have never mattered like we've been chattel we've been um we've been objects of sexual desire we've been um lynched we've been killed we are not even just lynched we've been lynched then burned then our our body parts cut off for souvenirs like i think when i see people who say oh it's too radical i wonder if you're one of those people that has um souvenirs in their attic in boxes called a Nana stuff and there's a black man's penis in there because that's the kind of stuff they used to take from from lynchings they used to cut off like that was the prize possession like if you got a if you got a penis like you were like a big deal or you probably paid a lot of money for it or you were prominent so they give you the best part but you know so I'm saying like that's why it's too taboo for you but you see where that comes from like it's so deep rooted in our country that our lives are um expendable like they can't they can't even fathom it sounds like violence it sounds scary to think a black person having autonomy over their own body like that's the kind of deep-seated racism that we literally have to root out of this country that's going to take a very long time to do and a, a lot of healing on both sides and that's what that's what post-traumatic slave syndrome is about both sides need healing they need healing from the evil that they have implanted in themselves in their children for generations telling them that they can kill us that they can harm us that they can do whatever they want to us without us saying a mumbling word that we don't deserve to speak that we don't deserve to protect ourselves that we don't deserve to have our own lives like that that's a sickness that's an evil that they've perpetrated for generations. Like I said, they're literally, we've, we've walked past people in the grocery store that have boxes in their attics with black, with lynched black people's body parts in their, in boxes in their attics. Like think about, we had to have, like it's not that far removed. And it's like when you think about it, like just like you said, it's like, it's so sickening. And it's mm -hmm. like you think about like uh, mass murderers like people like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, like yeah. when you think about like how they uh, go into their backstories or like even after they passed away, how they've done the body and study their mm -hmm. brain and stuff like that. It's like these people need their brain study because how do you do that to a person? How do you like, do that? You just kill a person. Like they have, they overkill. It's like the things that they have done, of course, even with, you know, with Emmett Till, it's like, it was that necessary? Like, the killing experience at all wasn't, but it's like the extra stuff, like what 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 goes on in y'all mind, like people like that need their, need their brains cut mm -hmm. out and studied because why? why? <laughs> so as much as we need healing on on of our aisle of the victimization that we've witnessed, the the 
unspeakable rapes and babies that were born out of of us being property and things like that like all of that we need healed from they need healed from doing those things and justifying it and and so i feel like that's why i have you know i've talked to you about it i haven't said it out loud to anybody else but i've talked to you about how i didn't you know everybody's making their list of books they want people to read and blah blah blah. i don't i don't want to do that i'll leave that to the scholars i'll leave that to academia to do those things but i i 100 percent believe everybody black white and every and everything in between um should read um post-traumatic slave syndrome especially if you're living here in the united states but that's just me because until until and oh and here's another thing i'm a prophet by the way holla at your girl because like you know how like on our one of our in February, <laughs> do you remember in our February podcast when we talked about why um, why we still need Black History Month? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It was long ago, and and I I remember I was talking about I said and I I was speaking far off. I had no idea what was to come, but 2020 smells like earring back, so a lot of stuff has gone wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm pickled. I'm pickled. I'm pickled. Honestly, there could be a worldwide voting session on 2020. On 2020. It's terrible. Yeah, that's accurate. That should happen. <laughs> but I remember talking. But I remember talking about until all of our history is cleaned up and expressed honestly. And when all parts of our history, um, you know, when black history is celebrated as American history and taught as, as easily and fluently as all other parts of American history, until all the statues that symbolize hatred and bigotry and racism in this country are taken down. Like I said, you know, all of that has to happen before we can ever talk about no need for black history month. And then, you know, fast forward to now where you're seeing statues really coming down when those debates really happening. And I am so happy. Like, um, even at my school, I didn't realize one of the biggest, um, well, I'll say for me, like I went to Alabama A&M. That's where I graduated from go Bulldogs. And so like, and it's historically black college, (laughs) it's historically black college. And one of the main buildings that I studied in was Bib Graves. I loved Bib Graves. That's where like a lot of my sociology classes were. I was a sociology minor in undergrad. And so like I was always at Bib Graves. And I remember one, like probably a year after I graduated, I had posted on Facebook like, oh, I miss like just a regular old Wednesday afternoon where I'm sitting, you know, drinking a tea, waiting for, um, waiting for class at Bib Graves or something like that. And I, you, every year when it would come up again, I would always like, sometimes I would repost that status or whatever. But one of my friends, she was like, do you know about Bib Graves? Like, have you researched it? And I was like, no. And, and so she, she, she challenged me to look it up and, um, 
the Bib Graves, the um that man, he was he's a white um like politician and he was a big part of the Scottsboro boys um in Alabama being like sentenced to life in prison um for a rape that they didn't commit one of the boys was like actually had syphilis and was like blind and was like incapable of raping someone and even when he found out they were innocent he still was like they're inarticulate and stupid so they really don't need to leave prison anyway not that they were guilty of a crime but he just didn't think their lives mattered enough that they needed to be free and that's the man who was on a historically black campus on the building like a major building on the campus and I was just like, dang, I, I, you know, I never repost that status again. I don't talk about Bib Graves or how much I loved going to class there. And just recently, with all this resurgence of Black Lives Matter, um, there was a campaign to um, get the name changed. And there was like a petition you could sign. And there was like um, a fund you could donate to to get them to change their name. And they're actually changing the name of Bib Graves. Like I donated and I signed the petition. And I'm really excited to be a part and, you know, be alive to see, be a part of the generation that's going to change the name of the, of that building. Um, and it's a perfect time to do it because they're remodeling it right now because it's one of the oldest buildings and it's really, you know, it's gone down over the years. So it's perfect for when it's remodeled to never be associated with that name again. But we're finally seeing those things happen and seeing monuments taken down and even hearing the debate where before it was just like, no, absolutely not. Like um, last year, just in Garfield Park on the south side of Indianapolis, uh, my class, we took a walk over there and there was um, a, there was a, a monument to Confederate soldiers. And I was like up in arms. I'm like getting all sassy. I'm like, why is this here? I can't believe this. I don't like this at all. And then, so one of my classmates, she was like, oh, well, I just feel differently because it does honor soldiers and blah, blah. So I just like, <laughs> so yeah I just kept it pleasant kept it cute we're on a walk with school but I, I just never liked that and I couldn't believe like first of all forget everything else we're in the north and you're telling me we have a we even have a monument to it so it, it shows that what was the connection we didn't fight on the south side so what is it about it's about racism it's about celebrating the confederacy which lost which seceded from the union which would can be considered treason but we're celebrating it why are we celebrating it we couldn't be celebrating because they won we couldn't celebrate because we were on the same side because we weren't we are were the north what are we celebrating we're celebrating racism and i'm so glad that it was legally it wasn't taken down by people who just decided to take it down it was legally taken down from garfield park just recently and I'm very happy about it. A lot of people are angry. Right. Right. Thank you. A lot of people are angry for no good reason. Their reason is racism. So I you know, I'm so and noted because you're angry because you're 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 racist. And 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 you know, so like and so I was just joking about saying I was a prophet, but I'm saying like, I was just talking about this in February and now we're starting to see, which doesn't, doesn't check off all the boxes. It doesn't give us justice. It doesn't bring back Breonna Taylor. It doesn't bring back Sean Reed. It doesn't bring back Elijah McClain. So we have a lot more work to do, 
But I'm glad that these discussions are happening because when we start to reevaluate our history and the people that we celebrated who are literal monsters, we can start to figure out what we really want out of this country and what we really want to represent. And I hope when we when we take that look, when we reassess what what we want what we want to represent and what we want to stand for, I hope and pray it's not Confederacy, racism, and segregation. I hope that's not what we want to represent. Um, you know, and so along with that, I feel like you know a lot of things have come about and are blossoming all stemming from this horrible, horrible thing that is in no way just fine. I hate when people make it like, well, it's worth his death if all these... No, it's not. He did not deserve to die. George Floyd did not deserve to die. George Floyd did not set up to be a martyr. But some things afterwards, we can look and say, we're saying that some good things are coming now. But it, it, sh- it shouldn't have taken his death. It, it shouldn't have taken Trayvon's death for... You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't have taken... Yeah. Flock Castell, like it, it shouldn't take these deaths. So I'm saying I am no way justifying his murder and all and all the different murderers that are still out there, still free, still getting to live life, including the men that have killed Breonna Taylor. But anyways, but I was going to say there has been a resurgence of Juneteenth. So, um, and New York State has literally um, made... Juneteenth an official holiday uh, that will be I think people will be able to like get off work and do different things so in come 2021 it'll be a uh, an official holiday in New York State and so I think that's really cool and I hope I hope it becomes nationally recognized because here's my and here's my tagline and here's my advocacy for it you celebrate my freedom I celebrate yours I have no reason to celebrate July 4th you celebrate my independence, I will celebrate yours. We celebrate Cinco de Mayo and it has nothing to do with us. And actually, I and I heard that even like like Mexicans in Mexico, they don't even celebrate it. Like it's not a, a major holiday of independence for them. But we've celebrated and taken on to have, you know, to have stereotypical tacos and margaritas or whatever. But I'm, but what I'm, so what I'm saying is you're willing to celebrate someone else's freedom to have fun but when you think it's celebrating and empowering African-American people, that's when you have a problem with it. That's when you say, there's no need to celebrate or, oh, I'll leave that to them. Or, oh, that's, a, that's like Kwanzaa. Or, that's, that's not, that has nothing to do with us. No. Juneteenth is an American holiday. And I think when people understand, understand the history of it, and guess what? I, I want I want to say this because so many people when they're putting facts and trying to educate people on Juneteenth, Juneteenth was not the last, you know, June nineteenth, eighteen sixty five was not the last. Texas was not the last state to get the word of freedom. That's not true. There were still other states that had not taken their freedom. I think Delaware was after was after Texas. There's a few other. Um, East Coast ter- um states. I was gonna say territories, like I'm really back in those days. But like states that didn't um didn't have did not um acknowledge liberation of the enslaved. They're not. They're not the last. They were just the first to make it a big deal, like as in a celebration, and keep coming back to that place. Keep coming back to a, a specific 
par and of Texas and celebrate Juneteenth and the day that they were received the word and were and were and their slave masters acknowledged that they were they were free. So it you know so like when people are like, well, it was the day where all slaves are free? No, that's not true. But it was the most boisterous, big, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. They were the first ones to actually celebrate it and be like, yes, we finally got it. Because like, you know, the southern states or and the and slave states, they seceded from the union. So so Lincoln saying, you know, freedom and he he you know, that's a whole nother thing. He didn't really free the slaves, but that's a whole another issue. But I'm saying like so <laughs> a whole nother podcast. But so so like for for seceded states to acknowledge that the United States abolished slavery, they would have to say, I'm back in the Union. So when Texas admitted, you know, okay, we're coming back, we are aligning ourselves back with the United States, that's when they shook, you know, metaphorically shook hands and and uh, acknowledge the freedom because I, you know, I don't like when people make it like, oh, they were so dumb or the slave masters was lying to them because they couldn't read. They didn't know about, you know, they didn't know about freedom. No, that's not what happened. It was like, Texas was like, oh, that's all well and good. The United States is abolishing slavery. We ain't in the United States. So they didn't get rid of their slaves. You see, like, so I just, I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I just wanted to acknowledge that real quick. So yeah, so there's like big celebrations all over the country and all over everywhere, really. Like people, like I said, around the world, we're acknowledging Juneteenth and celebrating with us, celebrating freedom. And I think that's awesome. Like I have my little, you know, Juneteenth shirt on and I really didn't want to go out um, just you know, Rona's on the loose and I would hate to be celebrating my freedom. And that's when I <laughs> get sick. But, um, I, but I, I am happy that we, that people are acknowledging it and celebrating it. And I hope that in the future that it is federally recognized nationwide, that would be amazing and awesome. And I think that definitely needs to happen. But all of those things aside, Black Lives Matter was not created to bring out a national holiday. It wasn't created to necessarily tear down statues. It's about bringing justice to communities of color and being treated as human beings. And like, you know, like you said earlier, Jordan, you know, for if, even if, even if we have committed a crime, give us the luxury of being arrested, of going to court of getting a lawyer, of hearing our side of the story. It's sad that you call it a luxury. Yeah. It's so sad. It is. So sad. It is. It's horribly sad. And, um, you know, so we, we want, we want that luxury. And then on the other side of that, when we have not committed a crime or, um, even a, a, you know, an arrest, an arrest worthy offense, or when, when you're called for, um, you know, a wellness check, like in the case of, um, of, of what's her name? Atiana Jones. I can't, I might be messing that up. You're called for a wellness check to see how you, she's doing and you kill her. Like, stop that. Elijah McClain was bopping down the street and, and some 
erroneous white person called the cops on him like oh he nobody is in danger but he looks weird and you shoot him up with meds and he has two heart attacks and dies at 23 22 23 years old that's not okay you're looking for a drug dealer that's already been arrested and you shoot up a house you don't acknowledge yourself you shoot brianna taylor in her bed the man you were looking for, quote unquote, would have been her boyfriend. He's still alive and got off a shot at least. And you know what? And here's another thing. If what they did wasn't wrong, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend would be in jail for killing cop for, uh, for, what do you call For shooting at cops, not killing. Yeah, for shooting them. They didn't, they never acknowledged themselves. Charges were dropped because they knew they were wrong. But how are they wrong? His charges are dropped. He's free and I'm glad he's free. I'm so glad he didn't lose his life as well. But what I'm saying is how is all this, you know, one plus one equals two. They know they were wrong, but no one's been arrested. No one's in jail for a death. My thing is when you do stuff like that, you supposed to have your, your, your eyes dotted and your Exactly. Right. So who 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 messed up the one job that they had to to figure this out? Who did it? Exactly. So it's like Right, like how many different ways could you be bad at your job? You killed a woman guilty of nothing, sleep in her bed. You you didn't announce yourself, so even the man who shot at you had to go away free. And the person you were looking for was already in police custody. So how many different ways can you be bad at your job and you're still being protected? And 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 that's the sickness. That's the sickness of Blue Lives Matter. It they're not saying, "Oh, I I'm I'm protecting cops like no. What you're saying is even when they're wrong, even when they murder people that are completely innocent, murder people that have nothing to do with anything, they can murder someone sleeping in their bed and you're going to protect them to to the nth degree and make sure that they live happy free lives. While young people, black people, innocent people are dying dead, laying dead in the street, dead in their beds, dead for no reason, dead begging for their life, dead begging that they can't breathe. Yeah. That's not okay. Be, um, it used to be a thing where people would, used to say, you know, people were pulled over for driving while black. Yeah. Like the list has increased something. Terrible, like horrible. There's a list of things that we literally cannot do, and sleeping is one of them. Yeah, that, that, that again, sickness. Like I can't think of no word other than sickness. Yeah, and um, I had something to to go with something that you just said, but I lost it. Like oh, I'm the sorry. old lady that I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I do want to say this one thing because something that came out of of this moment. Um, in our history is black people, unassuming black people, celebrities, people, scholars, 
um, people on social media have been sharing their stories because, you know, they didn't make the hashtag. They, you know, thankfully uh, made it away with their lives. So people don't know their stories. So people only think, oh, this person, George Floyd, he, he had charges. He had this or, you know, or they, they see Mike Brown and, oh, he was a, you know, they want to put a label on him of he's a bad kid or, oh, Jordan Davis, he had, was blaring rap music. So, you know, they want to make it like you have to do something wrong in order to have encounters with the police. So I love the fact that people that I would have never guessed have had so many encounters with the police. They've been sharing their stories because at first I was against it because I'm like, Oh, you're centering yourself during a time when people are literally losing their lives. But no, it does something else. It makes it real. It says, you know, you can look at all these cases and the people who just read headlines and walk away validating the police, you know, they don't, they don't have any excuse for that. They need to read the stories and know the truth about these people. And that's why I want to mention those, those names. But the thing is, is that it's not the, even these, just these handful of of people who have died, which is not handfuls. It's, it's bundles and bushels of people. If you start researching oh, yeah. the stories, but it happens to everyday people too. Like one of the writers for Seth Meyers, she took a week and she had a week worth of stories on. This is the nerdiest little woman. She does the what um, segments on Seth Meyers where she literally will just say different things happen in the news and say what to him. She'll be like, uh, Trump was impeached. What? And you know, she's really goofy. She's really nerdy. I mean, I'm saying that, but she's probably like me, but whatever. Shut up. But so like, um, <laughs> but like she took a week or a week and a half and every episode of Seth Meyers night show, she would tell a different story of her encounter of her horrible encounters with the police. And it blew my mind. Cause I would have never guessed that this nerdy little black woman ever had any issues with the police. And, 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 and I'm saying that as a black woman, having my own bad experiences with the police, and I wouldn't, I never thought it of her. I wouldn't have thought it of her. Or, and you see other, uh, other people doing that. And so it did make me think like, okay, on a platform that I use my voice, I wanted to share my story. And, and that's what I just want to do for just a couple minutes because it's it's so crazy what they do to us and it happens in all facets of our life like i don't even want to get into it right now but a woman shared her story at a nail salon recently it was on um june 16th i believe um and i i want to get into that in a later date because i have a ton of nail stories but it, what it shows is our lives haven't mattered just not just in the legal and you know, judicial and police realm, it, it, they haven't mattered in every facet of history from healthcare to education, from, you know, commerce and shopping and all those different things. But I just want to share my story. Like my worst incident of an encounter with the police was like, it was about four years ago. Um, so it might, it might've been five. Um, I really tried to block it out and not think about it a lot. And I only share, I've only shared it with like a handful of people. I shared it with an old boss of mine when she had something to say. I shared it with my advisor. And one time I shared it with a group of my friends from college, from my grad school. Um, I think I did, or I shared part of the story, but anyways, I'm not going to tell who all I shared it with, but I want to share it now. Like, um, I used to work 45 minutes from my job 
And so one morning my car, I was like not even a, five minutes from my apartment and my car shut off. And I tried to drive a little bit. I turned it back on, got it back working and tried to drive a little bit more and it shut off again. And I was like, no, I'm not dealing with this. I'm going to go ahead and go back home because I have basically roughly an hour to work and an hour back home. I was like, if I get that far away or get too far away and I can't get it back home, it's going to be a whole nother problem. So I called my boss, turned around, came home. No, I didn't go home. I thought about it. I live really close to a Midas um, mechanic shop. So I thought, oh, I'm going to drop it off there and I'll just sit and wait for it to be done. So I take it, I take it to Midas. I don't go home. I take it to Midas and um, he tells me it's going to be like four or five hours. So I'm sitting there like waiting in the Midas shop and I thought about it. I'm like, I'm so close to home. Like it's literally right around from my apartment. So I'm like, I'm not going to stay here. So I asked him, I said, can you just call me when it's ready? And I walk back over here. I said, cause I live really, really close. Cause I thought he was going to tell me, no, stay here just in case we get done. He was like, Oh no, 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 that's fine. So I did. I went home. I walked home. It was literally like a two minute walk home and I ate some lunch. I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I probably watched some divorce. Um, no, I didn't watch divorce court court. I liked, um, I used to watch paternity court back in the though, back in the day. I'm saying five years ago, I watched divorce court. Now I can't watch it, but, um, it makes me cry. But anyways, it made me cry back then too, but I just got tired of being mentally abused. So I stopped watching it. But anyways, <laughs> so I'm sitting at home eating, chilling, and I was so glad I came home and didn't have to just sit there that whole time. So anyways, they call me around noon, tell me my car is done, and I start walking back to the shop. So I have like my earbuds in. Um, I've changed out of my work clothes. So I have on um, a Circle City Classic t-shirt with Alabama A&M plate at the Circle City Classic. Wait, we, we have talked about this, right? I I'm think... Like I know I've told you part of the story. Yeah, I probably told you the end and not the beginning. So this is the beginning. So yeah, so I have on my A&M um, Circle City Classic t-shirt and like gray yoga type pants. Like they're really tight on my butt. Like if I was like going somewhere important, I wouldn't have worn them because they were tight on my butt. That will make sense later why I'm saying that. But anyways, so I get to... I'm literally like not out of the entrance of my apartment. I'm literally right at... Um, you know, the opening where I, it's literally the street where you see the stop sign and I'm walking, I'm trying to walk down the sidewalk and I don't hear anything at first. And then you hear like, ah, 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 cause I have in my earbuds. So then I can hear like ruckus behind me, like, ah, ah, and it starts getting clearer and clearer. And then I hear, get down, Bree, get out, get out right now. I know you hear me, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, wow, who's Bree? And then I realize I'm completely, so I'm on the sidewalk. So I'm I'm surrounded half moon style, you know, like, so there's like three or four police cars, including a paddy wagon there to take me away. And they all have their lights on. They're surrounding me. They're, get down, Bree, get down. And I take my earbuds out really, really slowly. And I turn around and I say, my name is not Bree. Those are my first words out of my mouth. 
And they're like, get on the ground. Get on that right now. And I and I think about this, this just recently when I was thinking about this, I thought about I never got on the ground. Like I never took a knee. I didn't get on the ground at all. And I'm so glad that I'm here to tell this story and I didn't die because there's no reason. My story is no different than any of the other people that were killed. And so, like, I turn around and I just go, um, my name's not Bree. And I take my hands out really slowly. And they're like, do you know where you are? Where, why are you here? And I said, I live here. Like, like I said, I can still see my apartment complex. I can still kind of see my door. And I'm pointing as I live right here. And they're like, what are you doing here? And I say, I can show you my license. I said, but I'm going to have to get in my purse. Because I didn't want them to shoot me when I reached in my purse. And I, so I start reaching it. I said, I have to get my wallet out. And I get my wallet out and I show him my license. And he start, he gets his radio and he's radioing and he's like, she says she's Kim Woods. Um, but this is her, right? This is her. And I realize he's talking to the police officer that's inside the paddy wagon that's supposed to take me. And, um, And, and I'm like, she says she's Kimberly with like, I, he's holding my license with my current address of the address that I, yes, with my face. And he's like, she says she's Kim, but this is Brie, right? This is her. This is what she was wearing. This is, and the man, I couldn't hear him, but he had to have been adamant to tell him that it wasn't, that I wasn't the person they were looking for, but the officer was like getting irate he was getting so mad and he was like she has on gray sweats and um this is her right and um he's like we're looking for an escaped um inmate who who just fleet police custody she has on gray sweats and i'm like i have on an alabama a&m t-shirt like this are i do have on like gray tight yoga pants these are not jail pants so i'm like if this woman was arrested and fleeing the police. They didn't have her on skin tight yoga pants. She would have had on jail sweats, some baggy gray sweats. And I'm saying, where does she get a crossbody bag, uh, an iPhone, earbuds in, and already done downloaded a playlist jamming? Like it didn't make any sense. And I'm and he's like, so he find like he's so he the the officer that is yelling at me is different. There's there's an officer yelling at me, and then there's an officer on the other side of me who's just got who's just got his hands on his gun, like ready to kill me if I do something. And I remember like I'm trying to talk to the one yelling at me, but I can't help but think about this man who has a gun on me. And I I was like by the end of the interaction, I'm like crying profusely like arguing begging him to like I said I live here I said you can I want I was like you can walk with me to my apartment door or you can walk with me to the car shop I said my car is just in the shop I said I just took it there this morning all I'm doing is walking two minutes to get my car I haven't been anywhere I haven't escaped from anywhere by this time all my neighbors are out on the yard they're standing on their balconies people who are walking their dogs have stopped they're looking at me no one said yes we just saw her leave her apartment no one said yes she's lived here for um a year now no one said anything everyone's just watching me and i like as i was making eye contact with them and looking with tears in my eyes and i'm like no sympathy just like blank people are blank staring me like i 
you know, like I must have done something. Like I had, like there has to be a reason why she's being berated by the police right now. Like no one vouched for me. No one said anything. And he finally was like, oh, um, well, he says it's not, you're not Bree. And I'm like, you're holding my life. He's still holding my license. He hands me back my license. He's like, well, I guess we got the wrong one. He said, I should have known. No one flees the police with, um, with, um, ear pods in and just hands me back my license. He was like, by the way, do you know where you're going? Or, or, um, do you need help getting? I said, I live here. Like I've been telling you, no, I, I know where I'm going. I said, if you want to follow me to Midas, you can. I said, but I know where I'm going. I live in this neighborhood. I am not out of where I need to be. And they just left. That you wasn't who he thought he was. Yeah. No apology. I'm tears running down my face. I'm now walking to Midas, bawling out loud, just crying. Cause I was like, at first I was like embarrassed or like, oh, let me pull it together. And I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care that they're still watching me. I don't care that people are now looking at me walk down the street with stone faces. Like I this was my emotion. This is how I felt. Like I was literally pleading of who not pleading that you know you let me go or let me slide by this one i am who i say i am i am guilty of nothing and i had to plead my case for being innocent walking to get my car um and it's like i never it's it, it changed so much about me and it sounds it sounds weird to say that but I never walk for leisure in my neighborhood anymore. I used to, like when I was on my health kick and I had lost like 40 pounds, I used to work out before before work. And then after work, I would come home and I would just walk my neighborhood. Um, so I was literally working out like two hours a day and stuff like that. I never walk for casual anymore. Even if I walk to my mailbox, I have my license on me at all times. I have my license on me if I go to the trash can. Um, if I see other people in my neighborhood like other black men I've, I've never seen them stop a like have a black woman hemmed up like they had me but every time I see a black man hemmed up I don't care what neighborhood I'm in but especially my own like I always put my hand on the window and I just say in the name of Jesus and I just say a prayer for him and it makes me like emotional now because I I think about how many don't live to tell that story and I remember like this is such a weird moment to flash in your head but when I was out there and when I thought I was gonna die I kept thinking like I've never even had detention and I'm about to die at the hands of the police like I don't have a rap sheet and I'm about to die by the hands of the police like I've never been arrested I've never had on handcuffs I've never been in the back of a police car and I'm literally gonna die by police fire like that's how quickly it escalates because I have black skin and like it forever changed me. Like I've never been the same behind that. And I think about like so many of us have that story and so many of us are not allowed to share our stories because it's too, it's too risque. It's too um, militant to say that my life matters that I count for something. It's too politically incorrect to say that the police get it wrong sometimes. And it's messed up. And this is the only country I've ever lived in. I've never even I've never even visited outside of the country. I was born on U.S. soil. My mother was born on U.S. soil. My grandmother was born on U.S. soil. But I I can't 
share the same liberty that you do because your skin is white and mine is black. No other justification. My roots in this country are as deep as yours. But I still need walking papers. And I, I think... You said what? I've never shared, like I said, I've never shared it in full detail with most people and I've never shared it like on my social media like this or anything, but I just, I feel that when I heard her stories, like I said, from Seth Myers, I, I thought how empowering that is to know that there's other people that are just nerdy, no rap sheet, no discernible you know, like they put all these labels on Trayvon and Mike and you and so you think and so people really get the the idea that it's that it's only this one type of black person that has to be in fear of the police, but it's not. My skin is a weapon every single day of my life. My skin is a target every single day of my life. I was with Anthony playing with these new um bubble toys that I got him it's a shark but you pull the trigger and his mouth shoots bubbles and I I remember being like I don't I he, they make such a mess and they're so wet I made at first I let him play with them indoors but then I made him take it outside and I thought what if somebody says we're a threat or says they thought they saw us shooting something and there's little literally a shark shooting bubbles out of its mouth but just that quickly yeah, I was scared for us I was scared yeah. for us and that, and that's not right. That's not Liberty. My ancestors fought in wars. Like I hate these, these white people who are like, Oh, well, I, I just can't, I can't see taking a knee. My father fought in this country. So did mine. So did mine. My dad's a veteran. My grandfather was a veteran. But the flag don't protect me like it protects you. So something is wrong. Uh -huh. <sighs> but still on that Black Lives Matter issue, something that we've both talked about the need to, to address within our own community. It's not all lives matter. We know all lives matter. We're fighting for black lives because those are the ones in jeopardy right now. But specifically to the black community, you need to hear this. All black lives matter. We can't have LGBTQA protesting with us, standing next to us, but fearing for their lives from us. Ayanna Dior was beat nearly to death by black men at a Black Lives Matter protest. She's a young transgender woman fighting for black lives and nearly lost hers at the hands of us it's messed up and it has to stop you can't say i was gonna say you can't say 
only the black lives that you're comfortable with matter or only the black lives that um meet your res- level of respectability matter black lives matter we can't com- compartmentalize lives just like they can just like whites can it's wrong when they when they don't bat an eye when when we're shot down in the street when they see us laying dead and they say oh well you must have been doing something wrong we can't turn around and do that to the queer community it's not right right because that's, that's the it's like they're like just like whites are saying that you know all lives matter or whatever. It's like it's like uh, certain blacks are saying like uh, you know we matter and y'all don't, mm-hmm. but they're a part of us too. Exactly. Like they they take off the dress if they you know put some bass in their voice or whatever the case is. Uh, they're still black at the end of the day. They're, they're still a person of color. Um, so I don't understand, like, why the, 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 uh, the difference is being made. Is it because of their lot of choices and what, you know, they're born as or whatever they identify as, whatever the case is, if uh, their life doesn't matter? Like, make that mm-hmm. make sense just as much as we want right. the all lives as people to make what they say makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and whether they keep the dress on or whatever they do, they still are a target just like anybody else. We've seen transgender men and women killed by the hands of police, um, but yet it's like the black community at large is uncomfortable doing a hashtag or un- or uncomfortable protesting for their lives. Their lives count too. They, you know, they matter and their life counts or something. I was about to say their sons and daughters too, but no, it doesn't even about who they're related to. Their life matters because their life matters. Um, and one last thing before we end part one, if I still can't breathe, um, one more thing is the, I have something to say to both black and white who bring up this issue of black on black crime. They make it as if the black community is say, is doesn't care if another black person kills another black person, but the minute a police kills them, oh, there's a march and they mock it. And there's a lot of memes and things going around. Let me just fill you in. Black on black crime is BS. It's not anything. People kill who they know. People kill who they have beef with. People fight with who they they know and who they've been around. 85% of white people that are killed in America each year are murdered by, guess who? Come in real close. White people! Come in real close. <laughs> so... It's not a systemic racism thing when a black person kills another black person. It's wrong, and people protest against violence all the time. Violence in our communities. When we when we protest that, when churches come together against mothers against guns and um, church people against guns and preachers coming out, we're protesting violence in our communities. That means perpetrated most likely by another person of color in our own neighborhood, in our own socioeconomic status. That's when we're protesting those things. That's when we're saying violence as a whole needs to end but it's a whole different thing when my tax money pays your pension and you don't protect my life protect and serve is bs 
When you don't acknowledge that the police system was founded on white supremacy and a prerequisite used to be to being in the, in the police force, you had to be in the Klan. You can't tell me that something needs to change in the structure and the systemic racism built into the police system. Don't come to me with that. Black, white, and whatever. Them, those black um, black crime st um, stats and posts that you guys make are super wrong, incorrect, and irrelevant. So you tr you're trying? I'm waiting on you to start hacking. You <laughs> <laughs> None of that. <laughs> is there one instead of, instead of um baptism i'll hand out black lives matter t-shirts get you one and go sit down somewhere <laughs> but that is it <laughs> that is it for part one i can't preach no more I I'm it's, I need the um James Brown cape to come drape over my shoulders. I'm tired. Exactly. Your forehead needs to be thick. But yeah. So, uh, but no, I remember what I was gonna say now, and I knew that I would. But I was thinking too, like the whole uh, I can't breathe phrase. You know, yeah. I say that a lot when I be cracking up because I really do lose my breath all the time. Uh -huh. Do you know that that is so hard for me to say? Like, yeah. if I say that now, it doesn't even feel right. It does. And I don't remember, um, I don't remember feeling any kind of way about that when it happened to, uh, what, what, was it Eric Garner? Uh-huh. Um, but for some reason now, with George Floyd, and I always call this, uh, I Can't Breathe 2.0, mm. but, um, Every time I say it now, even if, even if with you know because I got the mask on, if I say I can't breathe or if I'm laughing and I say I can't breathe, I just get like a a dark feeling, a chill, a, a, a moment of silence that I have within myself because it's just yeah. like that I can't breathe. Those those three words just they they don't even I can't say it. It, it, it yeah. just feels weird. It feels wrong. It just yeah, and that's I don't, it, I don't know. And I'm glad you said that because I don't want the fact that we're naming this episode, I still can't breathe, to be tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's literally just what we say, like, I still can't breathe. Literally and figuratively between the movement, COVID, all these different things, it's like it's still going on. And that's why I put I still can't breathe because from Eric Garner to George Floyd, not much has changed. And... All, all of this pressure that is being applied, uh, I feel like that has birthed this second, and I, that's why I call it a second wave of, of Black Lives Matter movement. It's like this resurgence and this bigger than ever before because this powder keg of pressure has been applied to America from without and within, and 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 that's what fueled what fueled this and what fuel the idea to have the have these episodes called that and it's not because and it's not even just because um of George Floyd what happened to George Floyd but it's the fact that it's it's two months later uh and I'm starting to snort my sinuses um 
it's, I was gonna say that after we wrapped up this one, I was like, yeah, I could tell when it was coming. But yeah. Put it out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I but I was. Right, and but that's why I wanted to make this. I still can't breathe because the flat the hashtags have started to diminish. No one is mentioning George Floyd anymore. As are are not mentioning him as much, but this movement is still relevant. It's still happening, and we still have reason to fight. So, regardless of if the hashtag is still trending, I still can't breathe. <laughs>